0: Hi, everybody. I'm Scott. Hello, I'm Julie. And this is a Good Story is Hard to Find podcast
1: where two Catholic friends talk about the books and movies they love and the traces of the one reality that lie below the surface.
0: Yes, indeed. Yeah. Today we're going to talk about The Scarlet Letter by Nathaniel Hawthorne. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> it would seem like a, there's no below the surface, but there is. There
0: is absolutely there is. Yep. Oh man, yeah this this is a, a dang good book. Um,
2: oh yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. I thought it was, I, I had read it before, um, so this was the second time. Uh, oh, okay. But it had been long, long ago, and I can't remember the circumstances in which I read it. I don't believe it was at school. Which is where a lot of people read it, mm-hmm. um, but I don't recall reading it in school. Um, but yeah, but it was written in 1850 by Nathaniel Hawthorne, someone we've talked about before.
2: Yeah, A uh, Short favorite. fiction.
0: Yeah, it's very, very good. And um, he's writing about um, a Puritan Massachusetts colony, I guess, mm-hmm. um, in the 1600s. Yeah, correct.
2: He's yeah,
1: taking it way, but it's his historical <laughs> fiction. Although, I tend to kind of get confused and forget that Nathaniel Hawthorne was as modern as 1850 because he wrote so much about the Puritan times. Yeah. So yeah, it makes um, you feel
0: like he's he's there, and that it, that's a like a personal history for him. I mean, a, like a family history, right? Right. Yeah.
1: One of his ancestors was without the W in his name. So it was, I guess, Haythorn hmm. was one of the judges at Salem and not, not one of the nice ones. I mean, I guess he was hardcore to the end and uh, Hawthorne just hated that about his history. Interesting. He added the W to his name. Yep. He spent a lot of time, I think, thinking about judgment and mercy hmm. and what happens when you're fundamentalist because he, he had the, you know, the, the puritan ancestors and for somebody who was part of the transcendentalist movement in america that's got to be tough and so um this was he talks about this in the introduction to the called the custom house chapter The custom
0: house
2: yes of
1: this book Mm -hmm. so where he's talking about it's i think lightly fictionalized because the second the introduction to my book is like Nathaniel Hawthorne's introduction to the second edition, (laughs) you know, the second printing. And he's like, look, I took so much flack of this, but I reread it. It seems accurate. I'm leaving it, you know, (laughs) because he is talking about politics and everything. But one of the things he mentioned, which made me perk up my ears, because I, remembered that he was part of this movement that included louisa may alcott's father branson alcott and i think it was emerson and thoreau and all these guys and they kind of did a little a utopian community maybe
0: interesting
1: yeah and so i'm just going to read this bit it says some such were some of the people with whom I now found myself connected. I took it in good part at the hands of providence that I was thrown into a position so little akin to my past habits and set myself seriously to gather from it, whatever profit was to be had. Cause he's talking about the fact that he's in charge of all these customs officers. He's part, he's a government appointed official even. So hmm. He's part of the establishment. And then he says, after my fellowship of, toil and impractical schemes with the dreamy brethren of brook farm after living for three years within the subtle influence of an intellect like emerson's after those wild free days on the Assabeth indulging fantastic speculations beside our fire of fallen boughs with ellery channing after talking with thoreau about pine trees and indian relics in his hermitage at walden after growing fastidious by sympathy with the classic refinement of hillard's culture After becoming imbued with poetic sentiment at Longfellow's Hearthstone, it was time at length that I should exercise other faculties of my nature and nourish myself with food for which I had hitherto had little appetite. Even Hmm. the old inspector was desirable as a change of diet to a man who had known Alcott. (laughs) (laughs) And that's Louise May, Alcott's father.
2: Wow. (laughs) just
1: like. Oh my That's gosh. awesome. That's something and else. Yeah, because if mm-hmm. you didn't know that, so I was really perking up my ears when I read it, and I was laughing so hard at him, going, wow. you know, Longfellow's Hearthstone dream after talking about pine cones with
2: <laughs> you know, Thoreau or whoever. <laughs> my
0: gosh, that needs like, to be a that needs to be a novel in itself. I mean, oh, yeah. I didn't I didn't realize you know that that was true when I was reading it. Um, you know, the, the Custom House felt so disconnected to me. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, a a short essay at the beginning. Um, But I could tell it was about himself. Mm -hmm. But I guess I didn't know what was really true or not. I, I kind of, as I was reading it, I felt like I thought it was fiction. So with with some autobiographical tinges, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and I should have looked into it. I felt that it was lightly fictionalized. And, Mm -hmm. of course, he uses it to introduce the scarlet letter. Right,
0: so at at the end of that, he he finds the scarlet letter, right, and Mm -hmm. says, oh, here's a story.
1: Rolled up in some paper that has the bare bones story, which he then expands on. Because he talks about also how hard it is when you're working a regular factual type job to really cast your mind out for um, creative imagination and Mm. thinking on writing. And he's like, you know, I struggled and struggled. And thank goodness, after three years, the president changed. And I got kicked out and (laughs) oh, so I can can write again. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Because he'd been struggling and struggling. And so, whatever part is fictionalized, you feel like that rings true.
0: Yeah, yeah. But the, I, he doesn't claim the, the finding of the Scarlet Letter was actually true, right?
1: No, I don't I didn't think so. I
0: didn't believe so. So this is not Mm-mm. based on a true story.
1: <laughs> yeah. No.
0: Okay. Yeah. And
1: even if he found something like that, that's just where the writer goes, I wonder what yeah. the deal was. You Absolutely.
0: Know? Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Um the whole thing is fiction, obviously. Right. And he's mm-hmm. making a lot of big points that are yeah. really resonant well, I would think with any Christian but Catholics especially. Which is funny,
0: Puritans. Yeah, that is that is funny, and I, I, you know, my daughter, um, nineteen year old, says, uh, "Hey, what you reading?" And I said, "Uh, "The Scarlet Letter," and she said, "Ooh, I read that," and uh, yeah, in school, and uh, it 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 connected with her. She remembered the forest Mm. and Hester talking in the forest, Mm -hmm. and that was that was what was in her head when I said that. So uh, it's definitely, it's something that's still touching people.
1: Well, and in fact, uh, just to backtrack a second, um, that's what made me read it a few years ago and realize what a good book it was because I was one of those who read it during high school and it was ruined for me. It was boring. It was long. It was, you know, the teacher obviously wasn't very inspired about it. Mm -hmm. And, so uh, at one point, my youngest daughter was reading it for high school, and I was comm- I said, "Oh, commiserating, mm. so sorry." And she goes, "Oh, I really like it." And I was like, "What?" And mm. then my older daughter was sitting there and said, "Oh, I loved it." Well, they have a very good or had a very good English teacher, mm. which of course oh, this is the nice. difference a teacher can make, Love and it, yeah. then and also an open mind to it. And so I went, I can't believe this. So I picked it up and reading it with, you know, a fairly blank slate myself said, Oh my gosh,
0: Hmm.
1: this is a really good book.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I'll say that to anyone who's listening who hasn't reread it lately. Mm -hmm. It is a really good book and it does go through times where the people are living a lot in their heads as they think things through. And I found that less compelling, but it's where he's developing all the, um, what would you call it the moral basis maybe sure and yeah. where he's diverging from maybe current thought into how people live their faith mm-hmm. under difficult circumstances
0: yeah yeah and that's and, like only um, one of the things it's about but you're right yeah right yeah but it's it's I about a lot of things it, there's but, got it's got so much yeah. in there
1: Yeah, Yeah, so, um, but then there's the other moments, and I have to say, and I'll say it again, I'm sure, it got to the last few chapters of the book, and I could hardly put the thing down. It was written kind of like a movie. Mm. I mean, I was just like, you know, the part where... uh, the sailors come over and send the message that, yeah. oh, well, that the last guy's joining your party, he's over there. And she looks up, and Roger Chilling <laughs> is looking at her from across the the crowd, like, <laughs> You're never getting rid of me. And oh, she's man. like, Oh no. <laughs> and you're just uh, going, oh, He is a villain. <laughs> you know, it's just, um, yeah. yeah, it's gripping.
0: It is gripping, oh. yeah. And the complexity of those three characters, too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Hester, Dimmesdale, and Chillingsworth, which I guess we should tell people who they are.
1: Yes, but I guess those, you're right. those
0: complexities surprised me this time through. They that's, are not cardboard.
1: No. And it is a three-person play, essentially. I mean, Pearl is very sim- – the little daughter is very symbolic until the very end. And um, not really like a real child. And But those three are the only real characters in the book. Mm-hmm. And they are – Like you say, they're complicated.
0: Yes, very complicated.
1: So, yeah, so the story starts, and we're in Puritan, New England, and we're at the prison door, and um, a young woman is being brought out. She has a scarlet A on her chest for adulteress, or adultery, and um, she's carrying a baby, and they make her go stand on the scaffold where the guilty people stand so everybody can look at her. And know what sin is and why you shouldn't be a sinner and all that kind of stuff for several hours. And when that happens, she looks up and sees somebody across the crowd and is like, holy moly, I think I know that person. (laughs) And in the prison, he's brought to her. He's a doctor. Turns out. He's her husband who's been separated from her for a while. Worst reuniting ever. <laughs> hey, honey, I was lost and had to live with the Indians. Why are you standing there with a baby <laughs> after I haven't seen you for years?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So
1: I'm, you know, um, and so you learn about their relationship and she will not tell who the man is in the relationship that she had the baby by, who the mm-hmm. father of the baby is. And then um, it skips ahead. And we see her living in the community. She's a seamstress. In fact, she has adorned this A with all kinds of embroidery. It is the most almost,
0: beautiful A of all yeah. the A's.
1: Yes, gold thread. I mean, she's lavished all this attention on it. And so it's like it's almost like a badge of pride. Except she's not going around uh, saying "Yeah" in your face. <laughs> Although the A does. Yeah, it. that's
0: that's that's part of the complexity of it. It's right. You mm-hmm. know, she adorns this A. Yet she's, she's humble, yeah. you know, so it's, it, it, yeah. She it's accepts like, the judgment uh, yeah, of the That's community. really what it is. I, I'm accepting this and I'm making it mine
2: mm-hmm. and
0: I'm taking responsibility, but I'm also humble. You know, she, mm-hmm. she's not doing it to say, you know, you know, th- yeah, I, I don't know quite how to put it. It, it. It's like, you know, she's not saying, I don't care about this. I don't care yeah. that I did it. She's saying that I did do it and I accept it.
1: It's not a symbol of pride. Right. right. She's not proud that she did this. Yeah. But she will own it Mm -hmm. and it's part of her. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And then um, Pearl is like her baby and that her daughter and she's like a wild child. Um, She's, (laughs) you cannot relate to Pearl. But then, Mm. um, so she's not telling. In fact, through the whole book, she doesn't tell, although to the reader it's fairly obvious relatively early don't you think who the father has to be i mean there's always some yeah, only so yeah the and board.
0: i was wondering as i read that is that because you know we're modern readers and we've seen this kind of thing before or or would it really be hidden to to readers back then it, was it a surprise i um, don't cuz it did seem yeah. it seemed obvious to me um
1: I think there was a couple,
0: obvious. especially when they were in front of the, was it a judge or a what, what governor? Was, a governor, okay. That's the were, one who
1: wanted to take Pearl away.
0: Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and she turned to him and said, "You need to help me." You know, uh, she turned to Dimsdale and said, "You need to stand up for me here." <laughs> you and know, Dimmes- that cemented yeah. it. That was like, well, Dimmesdale yeah.
1: Dimsdale is a young man who yeah. is the most wonderful minister ever he's a holy he's humble he gives the most wonderful sermons Mm -hmm. that elevate people toward god um and so you would have when so at one point um hester earns her living by um, embroidery and all this so she's in and out of the town a lot but the good ladies of the town who uh are a bunch of gossiping interfering busybodies like a lot of good ladies um they decide that Pearl shouldn't be raised under this bad influence. And so they want to take Pearl away and put her with a foster family. And the governor's kind of, that might be a good idea. And so she is at the governor's mansion and defending the fact that she needs to have Pearl with her. And she does, and Dimsdale and Chillingsworth, who's the guy who's her husband, who he's taken a different name, Roger Chillingsworth, and um he's made Hester promise that she won't say he was he's her husband. And she says, Okay, just like I'm keeping this other guy's promise, I'll keep your promise. So she's kind of making everybody live with their own responsibility,
2: hmm.
1: you know. And so um Shillingsworth actually has become roommates with the the minister at this point, I think, because the minister's a bit sickly. And so they're like, what breath. else would
0: you do? That's exactly what I would do. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> They're best friends, neither of them's married. Why not? Whatever. Uh, shoot, they play yeah. checkers at night or whatever they do. <laughs> yeah. So um, mm-hmm. anyway, so yeah. So then she turns to Arthur Dimsdale and says, you've got to defend me. And he does it really beautifully um, and eloquently. And I want to come back and talk about it later. But so uh-huh. anyways, she manages to fend off that attack. And by the end of the book, and one thing that I thought was interesting too is she could have gone anywhere. The points made early in the book, she could have left. She could have gone back to England. She could have gone to a different colony somewhere in the new world. Yeah. She didn't have to stay there.
0: Yeah. That, that's something that I wondered during the thing. Why doesn't she just leave? Right. You know, take and, they Pearl make and go somewhere else.
1: She's like, she had a lot of excuses, but the real reason is she didn't want to leave the man she loved. Right.
0: Right. Yeah,
1: And so because of that, you know he's nearby, and you only see a few people up close and personal, and so you kind of figure it has to be him. And then you're right, then she turns to him, which, as a minister, this is all taken in perfectly good form, mm-hmm. but it's it seems pretty obvious, you know who it is. And yeah. then, um, yeah, as the book goes on... Uh, eventually you get to the big climax at the end because is the the fact that the minister is not admitting his guilt as pearl's father and hester's lover means that he's increasingly suffering physically his spiritual um, downfall is affecting him in all kinds of ways. And so, although not as a wonderful minister who everybody loves. And so, there's another problem. And so, um, Shillingsworth discovers it's him and he starts kind of torturing him without the minister realizing what's going on. And it gets complicated. Yeah, although not yeah. a lot is actually happening. And then at the end, um, yeah, I'll leave the end for anybody who hasn't read it. But at the end, it all comes to this amazing climax like I was talking about and just – You're just going, holy crap, what a great book.
0: Mm. It is so worthwhile. Um, That's what I can say. And the language is beautiful. How I put it Mm -hmm. together was something else. It's like, you know, uh, like a a watch or something. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, I think you, you said it was like a thriller almost, but you're right. I mean, it's just so well constructed and it's about a whole bunch of different things.
1: Yeah, because Hawthorne knows people and not just individuals. I mean, he knows, he's looking at society also. So he's, I mean, just from the very beginning where they're at the prison door and before Hester comes out, you hear all these women who are gathered around talking, gossiping Mm. about whoever's going to come out. And he makes a point, he's like, you know, the older and uglier the woman, the meaner they are (laughs) about Hester and what she's done. And then you get um, the you know the young pretty one it says, "Oh, peace, neighbors, peace." Whispered the youngest companion. Do not let her hear you. Not a stitch in that embroidered heart, but she has letter, but she has felt in her heart. Mm. And that's the person who's not comparing herself to Hester, but just kind of maybe has some mercy and sympathy for her.
0: Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, Hester herself. Is mm-hmm. a wonderful character. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we mentioned her that she's complex, but she's just um, the, the, the type of character, you know, especially being female that you don't see very much, especially in this early stuff, right?
2: Yeah. Um,
0: and she she's excellent, you know. Yeah. Super impressive. But yeah, I think that that's an excellent summary. And uh, okay. Yeah, we want to talk about some good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but please read it. If you haven't.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Keep in mind that all these uh, young women thought it was amazing.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think a person's impression of it not having read it is not correct. (laughs) You know, if, if, if you haven't read it, what you think it is, is probably not what it is.
1: Yeah. You're thinking an old, dreary, hard to read, finger pointing book. Yeah, And it seems surprisingly modern. I mean, and in a lot of ways, too, um, you think about it and you think about the Me Too movement that was a lot more prominent before other events shoved it out of the news suddenly. But it's that whole thing of here's a young woman who um, falls in love with a man who's very influential in the community. So, Mm Dimsdale. And... She can't help but her guilt be proclaimed because she gets pregnant.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: And he does not step up mm-hmm. for various reasons. Not just, I mean, he does he doesn't want to give his position up, but it's more than that. And um she takes it. She takes it on the chin. She protects him. She does all this stuff. And you kind of think about it's not the same thing, but it made me think in a way about like Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. Mm. You
2: have
1: the person of position and power, and that's not the relationship we're seeing in the book, but there are similarities. How do they become attracted to each other? How does um, the relationship even start? We're not shown any of that. Mm -hmm. We're shown the end of the affair in essence. But all those elements are still here in modern life. And we sit back and judge people based on, you know, their experience, their age, what did they know, who was in power over who. Mm-hmm. Well, that's here. That's all here.
0: Yeah, it is all here. And um, you know, D- D- Demisdale, I-, I wasn't really fond of him, to be honest, <laughs> because, yeah. uh, um, you know, for him, he-, he stated the belief that well, I had, I had so much more good I could do here than if I let people know what I did right Is't that a nice I 60s. think that that is the worst <laughs> thing ever and it's caused <laughs> the Catholic Church a, a huge oh, amount of trouble <laughs> you yeah. know yeah yeah it absolutely has. It's just that attitude you know that um, I'm uh, it, it is it is hubris. it is like I am so important mm-hmm. that it the church is better off if I was here. Than if i wasn't here. Yeah. And 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 not only that but there is also an assumption it is a fear there there is also an assumption that you won't be forgiven and um you know you won't get to continue in any capacity. But you know and then it, it destroys Dimmesdale, right? I mean the you know he's, oh, yeah. he 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 does have all this internal guilt and and stuff constantly he he uh he he feels he knows that he should let that go. And, and that's, um, that's something that I take from this, uh, on this reading is the contrast between Hester and Dimmesdale and Chillingsworth. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, Dimmesdale is wearing a mask. Chillingsworth is wearing a mask, right? Hester, mm-hmm. Hester knows who they both really are. She's the only one who's herself, right? right? She can walk out into the community and be who she is. And the other two can't or don't, right? They they choose not to, actually. Yeah. And because of that, they're just, the corruption inside is just eating them away. Both of them.
1: Well, and it's interesting, too, because um, in that sense, the Scarlet Letter is saying the thing that we all know. None of us is perfect. Right. We have all fallen.
0: Yeah, and Dimmesdale thinks he needs to project per-
1: perfection. Right. And even though he's got, whether it's a stigmata or he did it to himself, I kind of mm-hmm. thought it was a stigmata. Of I, that was star-like. my
0: impression, too. I, I think it's yeah. powerful to think of it that way. But yeah. the author himself said, you can think of it what you want.
1: Yeah, but to think like, that that, that was a manifestation
0: of his guilt through his flesh was something. Right.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. Well, and the whole thing, though, is, you know, Those two are wearing masks, but let's, if we look at it from the point of view of, you have Hester who's saying, Here's who I am. I've confessed. I've had to confess. Because at one point it's brought up, Thank goodness for Pearl. Mm -hmm. Pearl's the one who made her have to really stop and think about who she is. Yes. Hester. Okay. Then you've got um, Chillingsworth. Who takes his knowledge, uh, he tries to go figure out who's the father. And once he figures out who's the father, he essentially turns into a devil. Because he becomes evil because all he can think about is getting his revenge.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you have in the middle, Dimsdale, or Dimmesdale, however you say it, who... Um, he's struggling. He knows what the right thing to do is. He wants to do the right thing. But I would say... Part of that love of, you know, I can do so much good, and it's an excuse, but he's just, he's weak.
0: Right,
2: yeah.
1: You know, and if he would have admitted it, Hester would have given him some of her strength. hmm Just as a companion and a support. So, he's the person in the middle. He's like both of them. He knows who he is. He knows what his sin is. He admits it, and he doesn't love it. But like Chillingsworth, he kind of also clings to it. Mm-hmm. You know, so we've got the contrast of the three kinds of people. Right. And the right. one who's redeemed at the, I mean, Hester's, obviously, she's working through her redemption right out there in public. But at the very end, when Dimmesdale says, this is it, I'm telling everyone everything mm. and dies. But that's his redemption.
0: Right. And I, <laughs> yeah, I thought it was right. interesting there, too, you know, that he died. Um, mm-hmm. And in a way, he you know, I, I know that he goes on, you know, but yeah. in a way he escaped the judgment of the whole crowd, right? And, and I, I, I think about like what you said at the beginning about Hawthorne's um, dislike or uh, of the Puritan community and what happened back then. I think in here, it's like the mob, you know, if you call the mob a character, mm-hmm. he's, he's commenting on that too because they're never right. Even, yeah. even at the end, they're, they're like, oh, Dimmesdale is so amazing and fantastic, and he's almost like a saint now, that he he said that stuff, and then he died, and now they they don't have a chance to, you know, if he was still alive, they would have had a different view, probably, because, you know, eventually it would have been like, oh, you let us down, and all this other stuff, right? But because he yeah. died, he's like sainted, you know? <laughs> you know? And and, and, and like, you know, I don't know if you agree, but it's like the mob was never correct at any point in time in this thing. Except oh, maybe, yeah. maybe you know, uh, Hester, at one time, somebody, did they say something like the A was for Angel? Because oh. because she was doing so much good for everybody. Right. Um, They'd
1: forgotten what the A stood for. They, and they, they, were, for they were like, yeah, yeah. Hey, this is
0: pretty good. And maybe she doesn't right. need to wear it anymore and things like right. that. It was like they were they were approaching right, <laughs> but well, they just kept being wrong, and I think that that's a truth, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, well, yeah, because afterwards he talks about uh, what happened, what the people in the community thought after all this, and kind of like, and then, you know, some people said this, some people said that, some yeah, people remembered right. it wrong, some people who weren't there told the story, and so it's like everything. The truth is known really just to the people who experienced it, right? And um, well, he gets and off mob from the acts on what
0: Yeah, the, the mob acts on what they believe is the truth, mm-hmm. but they never know. And I think that that's something that we need to know today too. You know, yeah. we, we we so often, you know, I, I've been in the presence of people that are absolutely furious about things that they don't even have correct. You know. Mm-hmm. They they are just so mad about like a political thing or, or, or whatever. And then you find out the next day that that wasn't so, but it's like the mob has already gone down that road and they're not going to turn around and come back. So it becomes true. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. It's just a mob mentality. I just feel like he was commenting on that throughout this book as well. That was another thing mm-hmm. that I felt like he was saying.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, in my head, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it could be just yeah. me bringing that to the table, but um, oh, yeah. But I think that that's what he was doing.
1: Yeah, the mob and the crowd never looked great. And in fact, think about there's a couple, one individual that we get to see a little closer up, but not that close, is the governor.
2: Mm. Yes.
1: Um, mm-hmm. And he's the one who, well, I think maybe Pearl should be taken away from you for her own good, because, you know, you're not great. His sister, Mistress Hibbert, is a witch. <laughs> She goes around openly going, oh, you're in the forest. Do you want to come and dance with me Mm -hmm. in the dark one next time? We're all (laughs) going to go out and dance. She's like, oh, no. No, thanks. Not this time, says Hester. Right. And she does it all the time. So this is the hypocrisy also.
0: Yeah. Uh, That makes me think, you know, Hester Hester is in the society, but she's not. She lives on the outskirts of town. Yeah. So she's not quite in town. And uh, because of that, she's meeting everybody, like that witch. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the witch and the crowd. I mean, she sees everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting.
1: Yeah, that's um, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's a good point about the mob, because he does, or the people. Mm-hmm. I mean, he does bring them up just now and then, and I always kind of just took it as, here's the reaction to this character so we can see how it's reflecting on him. But of course, it's also reflecting on the people.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know. Right. No one's standing out and looking into it. Nobody ever other than saying you really should tell us who did this to you. <laughs> they don't push it, that I can no, tell.
0: No, they they don't seem to. It's almost like an enjoyment though. Yeah. It's a it's a show. <laughs>
1: yeah. And isn't that, you know, that's often the way it is too. Well. It is. You know, it is yeah. We can't this, find the guy. This so. will be on
0: cable news for the next <laughs> Three months, you know, because yeah. we don't know the answer and we're going to speculate like mad. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, interesting. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And so then you have Roger Chillingsworth.
0: Yes, Chillingsworth.
1: Who got married to Hester. And he see, here's another case of he was older, he was smart. This was back in England. Everybody mm-hmm. uh, admired him a lot. He was a friend of her father's. And she didn't know what it was really to be in love. And she thought she was in love and they got married. He knew she didn't really love him. He admits that mm-hmm. early on. And he, yeah. he says, I wronged you. I shouldn't have married you. <laughs> and she says, and I, I wronged you, obviously. Here's Pearl. Um, and he goes, so we can forgive each other because we both um, yeah. sinned against each other. Which is
0: part of this complexity of his character but yeah, keep going. Right. Yeah. He
1: can, ad- yeah, he can admit that he was wrong and he even kind of says, well, and I kind of understand I was gone a long time. You thought I was dead. Okay. And then he's like, who did it? And just like, I'm not telling. And he's like, I'm going to find out. And he is going to pay because he wronged me. So see if it's not even tit for tat.
2: Mm-hmm. He-,
1: he feels that it's his right to be awful.
0: Yeah. And, and, He's like you know Pearl is is not at fault. Yeah, he he says that. He was pretty good about that. Yeah, and it's just like okay, you know this is something, and then he just turns into this, you know, revenge demon or whatever. He he Mm -hmm. just can't not do do that. It's like it's almost like a duty, you know. And then right, and then at the end, he leaves her everything he has.
1: And he leaves it to Pearl, yeah. Right.
0: So, I just... That's fascinating. The one
1: innocent in the whole thing. Right,
0: right. Yeah, I forgot that he left it to Pearl. In my head, he left it to Hester.
1: No, and although when mm-hmm. Hester comes back and nobody really knows who she is, or maybe they do, I can't remember, but that she doesn't have Pearl with her, that's it. It's years later, mm. after all this is done. And um, so, people are like, maybe Pearl died, maybe she got married... But all these very nice, expensive presents would show up and our house was very nicely furnished. And so um, the assumption you make is that Pearl has gone on to have a happy life and well Mm -hmm. taken care of with, you know, a nice husband and children and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, And it's funny because one of the things you're seeing here is even though you could technically say... That Chillingsworth is wronged. And this is what makes it interesting for a book, I think, from 1850, where we like to think we're so nuanced in how we understand guilt and people mm-hmm. and all this stuff. This book has got it all already.
0: Yeah, no question. You know, it's, yeah.
1: yeah. And mm-hmm. so it's talking about um, Roger Chillingsworth. And this is, um, Hester, and a lot of things happen by the seaside and in the forest. Nature is uh, definitely a character. But Hester is talking to Chillingworth, and she's like, wow, it's been seven years. You've gotten older, she says. But the former aspect of an intellectual and studious man, calm and quiet, which was what she best remembered in him, had altogether vanished and been succeeded by an eager, searching, almost fierce, yet carefully guarded look. It seemed to be his wish and purpose to mask this expression with a smile, but the latter played him false and flickered over his visage so derisively that the spectator could see his blackness all the better for it. Hmm. Ever and anon, too, there came a glare of red light out of his eyes, as if the old man's soul were on fire and kept on smoldering duskily within his breast, until by some casual puff of passion it was blown into a momentary flame. "'This he repressed as speedily as possible "'and strove to look as if nothing of the kind had happened.' In a word, old Roger Chillingsworth was a striking evidence of man's faculty of transforming himself into a devil, if he will only, for a reasonable space of time, undertake a devil's office. This unhappy person had effected such a transformation by devoting himself for seven years to the constant analysis of a heart full of torture, and deriving his enjoyment fence and adding fuel to those fiery tortures which he analyzed and gloated over. The scarlet letter burned on Hester Prynne's bosom. Here was another ruin, the responsibility of which came partly home to her. Hmm. And so mm-hmm. the point's being made, it's not just because I mean he devotes himself to torturing um Dimsdale. And it says Dimsdale was unhappy. Or no, that's Chillingsworth, but um it says that his heart is full of torture. Mm-hmm. So you know we're supposed to feel sorry for Dimsdale, Even though he's yeah. not doing the right thing, he's constantly tortured over it. But Schillingsworth has done this to himself also.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: then the fact that Hester goes, I'm partly responsible. Well, yeah, all our actions touch each other.
0: For sure, right. Yeah.
1: And if she had said early on, I mean, because early on when they say, you've got to tell us who it is, tell her, preacher. And Dimsdale goes, you probably should do it. It'll be good for the guy if you tell. Mm-hmm. Of course, then it's him. We don't know that at that point. And she looks at him and says, no, he's got to do it himself, essentially.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: It's like, I'm not ratting anybody out. And he's weak. Mm-hmm. He's asking her to do it for him, and she won't do it.
0: Yeah, he sure is. Yeah, and then Chilling's worth his, for whatever reason, you know, has just switch this in himself, you know, and mm-hmm. become this is now the the purpose of my life. <laughs> He's given his life to something that he should just let go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is another thing I think is very understandable in the modern world. You oh, know, yeah. so uh but yeah, I mean this book just is speaking through time. It's neat.
1: Well, yeah, because it's justice or mercy. Mhm. And you can you need both. Yeah. But what we're seeing here is hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, un- un- <laughs> a unbalanced,
0: right? Yeah, it's it's out of balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting.
1: And it's mostly on the side of um, justice. Yeah. yeah. However, that scene.
0: Right. Interesting. Wow, there's a lot here. Um. Oh yeah. yeah
1: when you're saying that Red A and became angel to a lot mm-hmm. of people, remember one of my favorite scenes is when. It's the middle of the night and we see Arthur Dimsdale and he's um tortured. He's wandering around the village and he's standing on the scaffold and he gets Pearl and Hester to stand up there with him in the dark, and then a meteor goes over.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: And it's it just and it he says, Oh, back then people would see, you know, these things and they'd make up it was a stock of weeds, so it'll be a good <laughs> harvest. And he goes, But this is a giant A. And you're like Oh, my gosh, did he make that up himself? And then later they say, the governor died tonight. He's become an angel. Did you see the A in the sky? And himself (laughs) goes, nope, no, I didn't. Oh, man. But he sees it at the time, and he knows what it stands for. This is God talking to him. And at that moment, Pearl points across uh, where looking at the scaffold is Roger Chillingsworth.
2: Mm. Looking
1: at the three of them standing on that scaffold together.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: So you've got all this Well, that's them. interesting. Yeah,
0: there's three scaffold scenes, right?
1: Mm-hmm. The
0: first one is the opening scene where she walks out with the baby out of prison and has to stand there while everybody gawks at her and says, you know, reveal who it is. And she's like, no. And then the second one is the one you just described. And then the last one's at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. I mean, it's a cool structure. And that was right in the middle, too, the the, the one you just described. is from back in the middle of the book. Yeah. Yeah. So, he's, it's just like and it's, the...
1: It's the turning point. I think it's when he... I mean, he already is tortured, but he realizes he's he's got to do something more.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, of course, right after that, well, soon enough after that, in the last part of the book is when Hester does something I did not expect when they meet in the forest, and she's like, look, let's get out of here. Mm-hmm. We can go anywhere. Yeah. Let's go back to England.
0: And then finally you're like, yeah, that's what you guys should do. (laughs) Just do that. Yeah. And she's Uh like,
1: and he's like, well, I don't know. And she's like, yeah, we could do it. You can earn money. You're an amazing minister. No one will know who we are. We Mm -hmm. can have a real life. And she tears the A off and throws it across the brook. Yeah. Yeah. And they both feel so free and alive and they're happy. It's how it should be. Mm -hmm. And then Pearl comes back and won't go up to her mother unless she has the A on.
0: You know, it's like, you can't
1: forget who you are. You can't
0: just run away from all this stuff. Well, there's that famous, famous quote, right? The, uh, um, there it is. No man for any considerable period can wear one face to himself and another to the multitude without finally getting bewildered as to which may be the, which may be true. I've mangled it at the end, darn it. (coughs) But, um, (laughs) But yeah, which may be the true. So, it's almost as if Pearl is saying, you know, you need to be you. You can't, we we can't leave because you won't be able to be you, right? Your real self. You'll have a secret.
1: Well, yeah, because Pearl, um, you know, she's not like we said, she's really kind of not a kid. She's kind of like the spiritual truth of what's going on. And so, or something. And so... For instance, when they're standing on that That's scaffold in the, yeah. the middle scene, she's the one who she's continually saying, but here's what's true. She says, won't you um, hold mother's hand at noontime up here right. tomorrow? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he says, oh, no, I can't do that. And she lets go of his hand.
0: That's interesting that you say, you know, that that unlocks something in my head, too, when you just said that she's like the spiritual truth. That's fascinating. Because mm-hmm. I highlighted this passage here. Um So I'll just read it and then talk about it. Mm -hmm. It says, um, so this is when they're, they're in the forest, you know, Hester and Dimmesdale, and, uh, Pearl and Hester is getting close to Dimmesdale, right? They're talking about this stuff. And, uh, she says, or the book says, Hester felt herself in some indistinct and tantalizing manner estranged from Pearl as if the child in her lonely ramble through the forest, had strayed out of the sphere in which she and her mother dwelt together, and now was vainly seeking to return to it. There were both truth and error in the impression. The child and mother were estranged, but through Hester's fault, not Pearl's. Since the latter rambled from her side, another inmate had been admitted within the circle of the mother's feelings, and so modified the aspect of them all, that Pearl, the returning wanderer, Could not find her wanted place and hardly knew where she was. So, Mm. what you just said put that in a different light for me. Because the reason that I highlighted it was this describes the pain of a step family. Oh. Right there. It's like, you know, when, when you have a single mom and her kid, and another person comes in, this is what happens.
1: I never saw it like that, right? but wow. But
0: that was what was in my head. I was like, this is amazing. And then you just saying, well, if Pearl is the spiritual truth, now what this says is that being estranged from Pearl meant that Hester was estranged from the spiritual truth because of the direction that she was heading at this exact moment. Yeah and that is also something else. I think it says both things.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's I hadn't thought about it as a step family, but that's wow, that's such a great insight.
0: Yeah, but makes yeah. total sense. Even though Dimmesdale really is the dad there, he it is a step family because of right. w- the way he wasn't with them.
1: He's not he's not really the father of the it's family painful. or the husband of it's the family. Yeah. Stuff. yeah. Wow. Well, and at the very end when um the minister's dying, and he says, you know, dear little Pearl, will you kiss me? Or wilt thou kiss me now, Thou wouldst not yonder in the forest, but now thou wilt?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Pearl kissed his lips. A spell was broken. The great scene of grief in which the wild infant bore a part had developed all her sympathies. And as her tears fell upon her father's cheek, they were the pledge that she would grow up amid human joy and sorrow, nor forever do battle with the world, but be a woman in it. Towards her mother, too, Pearl's errand as a messenger of anguish was all fulfilled. Hmm. So she's basically, Mm -hmm. yeah, she's set free because he's told the truth and he's now, you know, asking her pardon essentially. She's now got everything she needs to go on and be fully human. Yeah. You know, no more secrets, no more lies. Mm -hmm. She can find she can become a human, as it says,
2: because
1: hmm. she's treated as a symbol by everyone except really her mother, who doesn't really know how to deal with her very well. But <laughs> she is yeah. a true wild she's child. a wild one, right? <laughs> yeah. So, but mm-hmm. and that point is kind of made using her. Let's see. Let me find it in the um the scene with the governor. Where um, Dimmesdale is defending her, the the fact that she needs uh, Hester needs Pearl, and Pearl has a reason to be there. You know, for one thing, God gave her that child. She says the minister is basically saying that. God gave her the child and gave her to an instinctive knowledge of its nature and requirements, both seemingly so peculiar, which no other mortal can possess. And moreover, is there not a quality of awful sacredness in the relationship between this mother and child? The governor's like, what? I don't, <laughs> or no, it's a, uh, yeah, the governor's like, I don't follow. What's happening? What are you talking about? And he basically says, the creator didn't make any distinction between unhallowed lust and holy love, the child this child of its father's guilt and its mother's shame hath come from the hand of God to work in many ways upon her heart, who pleads so earnestly and with such bitterness of spirit the right to keep her. It was meant for a blessing for the one blessing of her life, it was meant doubtless as the mother herself has told us hath told us for a retribution too a torture, to be felt at many an unthought-of moment, a pang, a sting, an ever-recurring agony in the midst of a troubled joy. And so, Mm. she basically says, you know, this kid both reminds her of what she did, but is also the means to her redemption because God gave her this child. This life is still sacred and holy,
2: And it will be the
1: means of her redemption. Later on, he goes on to say um, that um, it's to be trained up by her to righteousness, to remind her at every moment of her fall, but yet to teach her, as it were, by the Creator's sacred pledge, that if she bring the child to heaven, the child also will bring its parents hither. Herein is the sinful mother happier than the sinful father. For Hester Prince's sake, then, and no less for the poor child's sake, let us leave them as Providence has seen fit to place them.
0: Wow, cool. I, I was thinking, as you're describing this, you know, an, another thing that um, kind of shows this in the child is um, when they were on the platform, I, I highlighted a paragraph. They're on the platform in the dark and Mm. uh, it says, she silently ascended the steps and stood on the platform holding little Pearl by the hand. So that was Hester. The minister felt for the child's other hand and took it. The moment that he did so, there came what seemed a tumultuous rush of new life, Mm. other life than his own, pouring like a torrent into his heart and hurrying through all his veins. As if the mother and child were communicating their vital warmth to his half torpid system. The three formed an electric chain. Um, awesome, right? You know that's beautiful. How, yeah. I totally missed it. How can he not uh, take those promptings? <laughs> yeah. It's just like, you know, yeah. She you know, he touches the kid's hand and zap. He, yeah. This is what right feels like. And he's like, Well, I must keep doing these uh, sermons for the good of the church or whatever.
1: But that starts the change in him because... It does, you're right, it
0: does, yeah.
1: Yeah, and when he goes into the forest, I think it makes him more receptive to when Hester... Because Hester then goes, okay, I've done the wrong in keeping this from you. By the way, Roger Chillingsworth is my husband and he hates you. And he's like, that explains a lot of things I didn't realize until just now. Hold on. (laughs) <laughs> this is guy this guy hates me, okay, oh it's all gosh. coming into focus, uh. and at that moment, because all these things lead up to each other at that moment, he um leaves there going, "I'm going to tell everyone mm. it's going to happen, yeah,
0: yeah,
1: and as it turns out, he doesn't in that sermon, but he gets outside the church and he's like, "We're leaving, I'm saying it it's happening now
2: mm. yeah,
1: and when yeah. he does that, of course he's set free, yeah. and Roger Chillingsworth is set free. Even though he didn't want to be. He's like, You've taken <laughs> everything away from me. Yeah. I can't right. do anything to you now.
0: Hmm.
1: Wow. And he becomes mm-hmm. human, saying, I shouldn't have done this I stuff. I I'm giving all my money to Pearl. She's the innocent one here. hmm. Um I mean he's not a nice guy, but he's better.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> he's like learned, he's set. Free. He's learned something. Yeah. He's learned something.
1: Yeah, because yeah, he's left with nothing. This is what he spent seven years working toward. Yeah. And it's nothing.
0: Just tremendous.
1: It's all the effect we have on each other, too. Yeah, the
0: effect we have on each other. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and I highlighted just a lot of little things yeah. throughout this um, that sort of illustrated that exact thing. Um, you know, how we're all affecting each other and how um, our inner lives affect the outer lives, right? Mm-hmm. Like um, when you know, uh, Dimmesdale can't see Chillingsworth for what he is. Right. Yeah. Um, it says, yet Mister Dimmesdale would perhaps have seen this individual's character more perfectly if a certain morbidness to which sick hearts are liable had not rendered him suspicious of all mankind, mm. trusting no man as his friend. He could not recognize his enemy when the latter actually appeared.
1: Wow.
0: Yeah, that's good stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's great. And then um, here's a, a statement that I liked. Um, it is to the credit of human nature that, except where its selfishness is brought into play, it loves more readily than it hates.
1: I did like that.
0: Yeah, and that's something that we've brought up here often, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um that that's true.
1: People are essentially good.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, they want to love, right? They want. To. It's, right. It's uh, it's you know in in this book, you know, it, it is the, this corruption that is allowed to fester without mm-hmm. confession, even you know that uh, that corrupts the outer right. So the the inner the inner world corrupts the outer world, and then when it, 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 as a community. You know, mm-hmm. it's affecting the whole community. hmm uh, Well,
1: it's also funny, too, that um, Hawthorne mentions in the beginning of the book, of course, we're looking at the custom house, which is all the governmental stuff, and, and you know, the old men <laughs> who are, can't really do very much, and then the people who waste a lot of their time and all this. And then you have this community with these people who are very vital and doing things. And um, it's you wonder if... Uh, He mentions, you know, the transcendentalists group. Mm
2: -hmm. And he says,
1: you know, I I left that place and then I was thrust into the middle of this business environment. But you kind of wonder if this whole book also isn't a a commentary to those transcendentalists. Mm -hmm. You know, they're all busy talking about pine cones and poetry with Longfellow and all these (laughs) things like this, but they're not actually also doing anything. Yeah, that stuff's all fine, but where's the balance? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it, this book is kind of like, even back in this day, I I don't know, I can't really articulate, I can't really get the thought straight, but it's like this is also a commentary to those people.
0: Mm. Yeah,
1: I don't know, because they wouldn't mm-hmm. want to judge people based on this stuff, you think, or they wouldn't yeah. think they were like the Puritans, um. I don't know. It's the touchy feely versus the very strict people. Mm, right. And this book is about mm. the strict people, of course, and community.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, know, and you think about nowhere. that. You know, it's like with your Puritans, you know, with something like adultery. I mean, adultery is very, very destructive.
1: Yes. Oh right. My gosh, I mean, yes. it,
0: destru- it It hurts people. Yes. So you kind of want there not to have that. Right. So you, yes, you, you know, so, so in a way, you know, you're like, okay. Um, we don't want that to be accepted. Therefore, someone who does it, we need to, we need right. to, we need to do something, <laughs> you know, right. and, uh, you know, otherwise, yeah. So, yeah, but you're right. You know, the, the, uh, you know, like you put it, the, what What are you saying? The, how did you put it again? You know, the touchy feely versus what?
1: <laughs> versus the really strict. Versus community. the really
0: strict. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think. And the I, thing I, is, I it's know. a balance, right? You know, it's yeah. a balance. That needs to be struck. Yeah. You know, so in a, in a way, you know, well radicalism uh, period, you know, has a limit, you know, and the, and the limit is when you meet the person.
1: Yeah, and, and maybe this is just pushing it too far, but I'm suddenly thinking of our little triangle of people again, and you have Hester who's in the middle. Mm-hmm. And then you have, you know, uh, Dimsdale, who's more of the touchy feely, and he, it's for God and everything. He's giving his amazing sermons, he's going around doing stuff, but he's kind of a wispy guy who floats around and always with his hand over where the A is on his heart. Mm-hmm. And um, then you have Chillingsworth, who's like the Puritans, justice for all. So it's yeah. almost like you've got that little reflection of that, yeah, and I'm probably really pushing it way too no, far. No, but but
0: when you say that, it makes me think. Okay, Chillingsworth shows you what a strict person does that has the wrong idea.
1: Yeah,
0: which is dangerous, right? It, it's, yeah, it is like in government when when you have someone in charge who you like and you want to give that person more power. Well, the next guy or person, you know. <laughs> Is going to get the same power and you don't want that person to have it, which is how we set up the system, you know, so, but, but it's kind of the same thing. So, yeah, I guess in a way, Chillingsworth is showing you the other side of the pendulum. If you, if you are unnaturally strict, Mm -hmm. there is an opposite that, you know, how can you argue against that one?
1: And Dimmesdale's the opposite of him, of course. I mean, right. you know, he's the man of God, everyone respects him, and he's saying all the, the right things and everything, but inside he's tortured because he won't face the hard facts. Exactly. accepts accept right. justice.
0: Yeah. And he can't accept it. the strict.
1: Right. Yeah. So he's, um, he's afraid of it.
0: You know, yeah. He's, he's like...
1: And it's all human nature, but so, it's also yeah. just thinking of the transcendentalist versus, you know... um the Puritans mm-hmm. and the fact that he specifically mentions them and the government and everything. You just, I, I don't know. I just feel like he's contrasting and comparing a lot more things here than I'm
0: really grasping very well. <laughs> so, but the the transcendentalists are not going to throw people in jail for adultery though, right? I don't feel I like don't it. Don't feel like it either. I am yeah. not knowing a heck like of it. a lot about them. They don't feel yeah. like that.
1: I could be investing a lot of modern ideas in this transcendentalism,
0: <laughs> which I, which is what's amazing about it. I I think, you know, which yeah. is what makes it great and, you know, that yeah. my daughter liked it and your daughter's liked it is right. amazing, you know. So um yeah, here we are. What is this uh 1850? So, you know, what 170 oh years later
1: yeah wow
0: yeah it's remarkable and the
1: and, and I I have to say it again the and I warned you I would at the beginning the structure at the end of this book it just starts rolling like a freaking freight train mm. they're in the forest together they're gonna run away everything's mm-hmm. gonna be wonderful she's booked passage they got the she's like okay baby you go on in and do that uh, it was the last he didn't want to do it really but it was the last speech and it was for the governor who's been elected, or whatever, mm-hmm. the new governor since the old one had died, so he's going in to do that. And she's like, "After that, the ship's leaving. It's going to be fantastic." <laughs> so he goes in and he's doing it, and then chillingsworth. the sailors come across and go, "Oh, that last guy, the doctor, who's going <laughs> to help take care of the your friend?" Is you know, she looks across, dun dun, dun. Oh, she's he like, knows. Oh no, we'll like, never escape.
0: Son of uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> of a biscuit. oh! (laughs) And so, yeah. So, and then all this stuff is happening and the big celebrations going on and Pearl's dancing. And I mean, it's like a movie in my head at that point. It's just everything's going on and he's coming out and everybody's like, well, we never heard anything. That was the best thing you ever said. And then he's like, all right, everyone, here's what I'm really going to (laughs) say. I mean, it's just... Bam, 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 really modern, like a thriller because you want them to get away. How are they gonna escape Chillingsworth? I mean you know.
2: hmm
0: Yeah. Good stuff. Very good stuff. Yeah. So speaking of movies and things, has there been a good adaptation of this that you've seen?
1: Oh, I don't know, because I tend not to watch.
0: Okay. I was curious. I know that I there like. was one with Demi Moore that I have I- not seen.
1: Don't know. Um, I mean, there is. I yeah, think I remember. I'm sure that there are it.
0: several. But um, yeah, I was just curious if you had one that you liked. But
1: no, I'm sorry, I don't.
0: But the the one that I was thinking of, uh, Demi Moore and Gary Oldman. Wow. Yeah.
1: Gary yeah, it's Oldman. It's not.
0: It doesn't have a very. It's 1995. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and uh, right there. Yeah. I
1: feel like there's a lot of modern stuff besides my confusion that's going to be put into that story. I could be wrong. I would
0: guess so as well. Um, I could be it's wrong. It's not got great ratings.
1: So. It's hard to find faithful things like that because people don't want to stop and think about what those kinds of stories are telling you. Mm-hmm. And how do you translate that? Yeah. And maybe it's a good one. I don't know. but yeah, I don't know either. Um, you look yeah. at the whole idea of, uh, you know, I mean, Hester says to Dimmesdale, "Remember, we consecrated ourselves to each other. You know, our love was sacred."
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, that's super modern. <laughs> I mean, he's Hawthorne's really going up against the established church at the time he's writing this thing.
2: Yeah,
0: interesting. but that's why
1: she's suffering.
0: Yeah,
1: and Dimsdale's suffering
0: because
1: mm-hmm. the establishment is hard to go up against.
0: That they are, yeah.
1: And that's not necessarily the right way to do it either. You know, mm-hmm. get married then, man. You yeah. think he's your husband's dad? Get married. Mm-hmm. This is legit.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: So, um, you look at that kind of a story being told these days and you just feel like there'd be a lot of support for things that Hawthorne wasn't supporting. You don't get the feeling he thought that Hester's, uh, yeah, the punishment seemed harsh, but... She was able to use it for her own spiritual good, and you kind of feel like he's on that side.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you have to, because even at the end, she put that thing back on, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Lived the rest of her life with it. It was
1: part of her identity at that point. right. She'd come to terms with it. Sure,
0: and yeah, and it's part of her identity because it was having a positive effect on her. Yeah. So, right.
1: It was centering. It reminded her of who she was, but Mm -hmm. who she could be. Yeah, And that's how it's translated into Angel. And that's not a message I expect to see in a movie. No, no. From
0: 1995.
1: Again, (laughs) I could be maligning it unfairly. Well. With Demi Moore. Could be maligning it unfairly. (laughs) We'll see, Yeah. 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 <laughs> you watch it. You ask My your daughter if she's watched it. My surprise selection
0: for next week is.
1: I uh... <laughs> no, no. I'm sorry. Did I tell you I'm busy all week long? I've I don't have a, a, a spare second to watch a movie.
2: <laughs> Heck yeah. Oh, shoot. I went
1: blind suddenly. Sorry. You came uh, back after, after the movie assignment was over. That's right.
0: Too yeah. good. Too good. Wow. Well, thank you for picking this. It was oh, great I'm... to visit this one.
1: Yeah, I hadn't reread it for a while, so I enjoyed it too. And I'm I'm Very glad good. you found stuff in there I never would have thought of. So this oh, was, was really fun. great. Yeah, yeah. good book. It. Yeah, so yep. much in it. Cool.
0: All right. Well, next up we have PQ. Ah.
1: Yeah. Oh, yes. which is a movie I loved, and I meant to watch anyway. But then Irfan Khan died a few weeks ago. He plays mm-hmm. the taxi driver, and um, he had cancer. Oh dear. And. Uh-huh. um Only fifty three, and I just love him. And this, so this is a a tribute to him.
0: Oh, very nice. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Okay. Yep. All right.
1: Right. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. (laughs) Thank you. All right,
0: and thanks for listening, everybody.
1: Yes, we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Bye bye. (laughs) Bye bye.